what he means that Jesus chose you. Jesus chose you. Did you know that? Do you feel chosen this morning? Do you feel like you're a child of God? Do you feel like you're bulletproof? Because that's what it should feel like. You know, when I was uh, growing up uh, playing basketball, I was actually very short. In fact, in my sophomore year in, uh, in high school, I was five foot three. It was crazy. But I could always shoot threes. Isn't that right, Eric? Right? I could always shoot threes. But because of my height, I would often be picked last. But between my sophomore and my junior year, I grew seven inches. You talk about leg pains. I mean, I remember my legs were just like stretching. And in fact, all I have is legs. Don't look at my legs. weird. It's too late. (laughs) I knew it was going to be too late even before I said this illustration. But there's something that happened that year, and I started getting chosen. In other words, people would choose me when we were doing pickup. They'd be like, you know what? You can do rebounds. I'm like, okay. I'm really a shooter, but I can do rebounds because I was a little taller. And there was something special about it not being on the bench. Jesus chose each one of us, even before we were born, to be right here in this place, in this moment, breathing this air, the age you're at, being born in the place that you've been born in, the color of your skin, your socioeconomic background. He knows all of it, and he chose you. You don't have to be anybody else but you. This is the amazing thing about the gospel. You don't have to do anything else but get close to Jesus. And the rest of it is automatic. John chapter 15, verse 116. Let's read along. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. You know, Jesus began to speak to his disciples and he loved imagery. I guarantee you, he was actually walking by this vineyard. There's so many promises of the people of Israel being compared to a vineyard, being like good wine. And part of this imagery Jesus was trying to show them was, hey, you got to be connected to me. You have to remain in me. To what? To bear fruit. In other words, without that connection, there is no fruit. I want you to get this picture in your mind. Imagine a fruit tree, an apple tree, an orange tree, or that the branch fell off, maybe because of a storm, or maybe it just fell off because of the winds. And it stays there. It may be living for maybe a couple days, but eventually what happens to the fruit? It rots. It goes away. So the branch, which is us, we have to be connected to Jesus. It's amazing. In verse 5, it says, he makes it clear, you know. I feel like every time Jesus spoke, the disciples must have been like, can you explain? And so he would. So in verse 5, he explains, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Some of us have to elevate our expectation even this morning and align ourselves with the Word of God. It will be done for you. This is to whose glory? My Father's glory that you bear not just some fruit, but much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you have... If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one another, for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, friends of God. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. You guys watch the Food Network at all? Unfortunately, I have been watching it all of the entire 21 days of fasting and prayer. Suffering for Jesus, wondering how there is this kind of a taco place in the middle of Little Rock, Arkansas, or this kind of food, or this fusion, or this chef in the middle of nowhere in a food truck. And there's a part, and there's a show called um, uh, Triple D. How many of you guys have seen Triple D, right? And... Uh, in the show, he visits all of these random places in America that have amazing food. And he goes to them and says, make your best dish. And so the show actually shows them making their best dish. But there's one thing that they never show when they're putting the ingredients together. They never show the secret ingredient. In fact, it's always prepared already. Everything else is, you know, we'll put some salt and some pepper, some paprika, some turmeric, some cumin, some parsley, you know, some basil leaves. I can keep going. I mean, we can get hungry here, right? We can start putting some, but then they'll say, but we have this batter. Or we have this pre-made mix for the chicken. And then we put it all together and they start making it. This scripture is the secret sauce of living a life that is fruitful unto the Lord. That is what this scripture is. I never tell people there's a formula to follow Jesus at all. I never tell them because the truth is the Holy Spirit's leading us. And we're all walking different journeys. And there's different paces to that journey. I always say, Stick close to the Holy Spirit, and Jesus will change you from the inside out. The Holy Spirit will whisper to you. But this scripture, Jesus comes out and tells his disciples, this is how you make things fruitful in your life. Not just a little bit. (laughs) You know, I love the giant eagle on Mayfield Road because their produce section is massive. And the worst part is they're kind of shutting it down. I don't know why. You know? Yeah, I know. No one freak out. No one freak out. You can talk to them after. I'm talking about Jesus here, not his grocery store. But I love going there because their produce is, I mean, sometimes I find it hard to choose an apple. Because there's 19 different kinds of apple. 
Sometimes you'll pick up organic stuff and you're like, what? How, how is this one apple $3? Oh, it's right next to the normal ones with the chemicals on it. I'll take that. It's cheaper. It's 69 cents. So, right? God doesn't want us to just be fruitful in the little bit. He wants us to be fruitful abundantly. This scripture says that you are to produce much fruit. As a follower of Jesus, our job isn't to be the most polished Christian. It isn't to memorize scriptures. It isn't to be the best praise and worship leader there is, or the best preacher, or the best head knowledge of what it takes to be a follower of Jesus. It is to bear fruit. And how that fruit happens is when you are connected to the source. That is the only way. In fact, I can always tell when someone's upset about Christianity because it's not working out for them. I had a conversation uh, last week with a young man who said he just he knows the Bible. He knows all about it. He reads it. He's grown up in the church. But he can't take it anymore. In fact, he said he's not going to church anymore. I'm not doing this anymore, Pastor. That's what he said. I'm frustrated. I know all this stuff, and every time I open the scripture, every time I'm in the presence of God, I just feel bad. The Holy Spirit is not here to make us feel bad. Jesus didn't pay the ultimate price on the cross to make us feel bad. He did it so that there is a way. So, so many times we think we have to produce the fruit. If you're fasting and praying right now, I will tell you this, if you're just fasting, and I've said this before, just to starve yourself, you may lose a couple pounds. But outside of that, nothing spiritual is happening. But when you take the time that you would otherwise eat, amen, and I eat a lot, and I put that towards prayer and focusing on the Lord, And spiritual things, something happens inside of me, and I begin to bear fruit. This is why we pray so much. This is why we have this empty spot in the front. Not because, you know, we have a spit range here. No. You know? It's because we want this to be a place, a house of prayer, a house of the Lord, that you will find God. And all the distractions of the we, you can put it all aside and say, you know what, I'm here. I'm here to be with God. I'm here to hear His Word. Note how many times in the book of John, Jesus uses His name for God and refers to Himself by saying, I am. Chapter 6, verse 35, He says, I am the bread of life. Chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Chapter 8, verse 24, If you believe not that I am, you will die in your sins. Chapter 8, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. Chapter 10, verse 7, I am the door of the sheep. Verse 11, I am the good shepherd. 11.25, I am the resurrection and the life. 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Chapter 15, verse 1 is where we're at. I am the true vine. You know, if we just did a study of these I am's, I think we would have enough to be more like Jesus. There's a reason why God himself is called I am, because he is everything that we need. That's why when, when, uh, when he was talking to Moses, he said, I am that You need provision in your life right now. I am that I am. You need healing, not just physical healing, but maybe emotional healing. I am that I am. You need some direction in your life. I am that I am. Maybe you're a little lonely right now, and you're about to do something that you should not be doing. You know what you need to say? Jesus, I need you to be my friend. I need you to be my shepherd. I need you to discipline me when I need discipline. 
I bet we never pray that, ever. (laughs) See, when the soldiers came to arrest Jesus in the garden, he asked them, who are you seeking? Think about that. The Son of God asking a rhetorical question. Who are you seeking? (laughs) And they responded, Jesus of Nazareth is what they responded. Hey, I'm looking for Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. And he answered what? I am. And guess what happened to them? They fell to the ground. Random people who don't even know who Jesus is when they met him and they responded and connected with him. And he said, I am. There is power in Jesus. In John chapter 15, the the day after the night in which Jesus spoke these words about the wine and the branch, to the 11 disciples, he laid himself on the cross and bought you with his blood. That's what happened the next day. This is one of his last teachings. See, for him, he knew the plan when he was teaching this because the cross hadn't happened yet. He hadn't died for anybody yet. He knew what he was saying. The disciples didn't know he was going to be crucified. They were getting hints and clues, but they, they didn't know. And he, the next day, lays his life down. And I think in his mind, he was thinking, you and I are his fruit. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's bleeding blood and literally didn't want to do it, but said, your will be done, Father, and not mine. He was thinking about the fruit in our lives. He was thinking about the extension of what could happen to people lost and far away from the gospel good news. When he died on the cross, he was saying, I am the vine, you are the branch. If you stay connected to me, you will bear fruit. And he laid his life down. See, the only fruit that will ever endure to eternal life is fruit which grows out of the cross. If we do not go to the cross, there is no fruit That will last. John chapter 12, verse 23 to 24 says, As the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. You know, we have an advantage knowing the whole gospel, don't we? The disciples were just walking with him, and they're wondering what's going on. We have an advantage, and so many of us, and I'll be honest, as as your pastor too, we don't take advantage of staying connected to Jesus and really allowing us Him to change us from the inside out. So my prayer over these last two weeks has been, God, every situation I've faced, what are you teaching me? How are you trying to bear fruit in my life? See, I'm not worried about somebody else. I'm not worried about the outcome of the situation. I'm not worried about my needs anymore. I am wondering, what is it, the fruit, that you're trying to create in my life? There's been happy moments. There's been sad moments. There have been moments where it's been frustrating and and attacks on on my family and our health. You know, you guys know this about Audrey being really sick over the Christmas break. And um, this weekend she had kidney stones. You talk about being in the hospital twice in less than a month. And then you got babies running around. But I chose to say, God, what, what, what are you trying to do inside of me? What are you trying to create inside of me? What is the fruit and the depth that you're trying to take me to? The places that I cannot go on my own, obviously. Once you get to that place, you start to realize things like, just like, oh, Accidentally, my mom was able to help a few weeks ago with the kids. Accidentally, we were in Lexington the first time she was in the hospital, so her parents were able to help. Accidentally, her parents were just visiting us this weekend because we were going to go to a conference. Well, they're here to help. See, God knows what we need. If we worry about bearing fruit, he knows what we need. So we always think he doesn't know. So all we pray about is, God, would you take care of my need? God, would you fulfill this? 
God, would you provide for me? God, and I want us to change our prayer and say, God, would you allow me to bear fruit? Would you allow me to stay connected, to stay faithful, to stay faithful to the process, to allow to me to go through the journey to what you have for me so that I can grow fruit? See, his ways are higher. Amen. There is one blessed way. There's not many blessed ways. His way is the highest way there is. His blessing is the highest blessing there is. When I operate as a man of God, as a pastor, as a child of God, I walk in the identity of a son of God. I really don't need approval. Even I love my pastor. I have a pastor and he is sharp. And he helps me out, and he corrects me, he challenges me, and he tells me what's up. But the truth is, he does not replace God. God is the highest form of authority in my life, in your life. See, the thing about pruning is this. It is for our benefit. Did you notice in, in verse 2, he says, He cuts off every branch in me. Who? The Father cuts off every branch in Jesus that does not bear fruit. But wait, with every branch that does bear fruit, dot, 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 he prunes so that he will be even more fruitful. Did you come to be comfortable as a Christian? I got good news for you. Get used to the pruning. Because that's what he does with a little bit of fruit. That's what he does with people that are producing fruit. He says, all right. I'm going to allow some things to happen, and I'm going to prune you into the man and woman that God has destined you to be. This is the business that he is in. This is why people walk away from the faith. You're tired of the pruning. God, how many years of pruning can I take? And the truth is this. Sure, there's winter. Sure, there's the fall. Sure, there's autumn. But spring is coming. And some of us need to believe God just a little bit longer to where you see the fruit multiplied in our lives. Hang on in obedience to what God is saying. And just trust Him a little longer so you can see the produce of His pruning. Some of us, we let go of things as soon as something gets hard. We let go of God when He is our source. He is our strength. And He begins to prune us. And then springtime comes and we're like, boom. And you look at, you're looking across the room like, God, how is that happening for that person? How is this happening for this person? They've been through winter too. But the difference is this. They allowed the pruning to happen. God, chip away at me first before you change anybody else. Chip away inside of me. Change me from the inside out before I'm worried about somebody else. You know, the Pharisees, they had this down where they made the fruit the objective of their relationship with God. This is what we call religion. Religion will always tell you that fruit is what you need to do. In other words, you need to read the word of God. That's fruit. Religion will tell you to go ahead and pray more to get to know God. But Jesus came to say, fall in love with me, then you will want to read the word of God. Then you'll want to be in my presence. Then you'll want me to go ahead and prune some more. All of a sudden, you start to realize you're one of those crazy people in spring too. You're like, oh my goodness. This is what it's about? Okay, God, I give in. I give in to the pruning. I say yes. I mean, it's fun. (laughs) It's crazy. It's a roller coaster ride. But when you look back and you see the faithfulness of God, you're like, you know what, God, do it again. Do it again. 
do it again and again and again. And I'm not saying that you need to sound weird and bizarre and crazy. That's not what I'm saying. You just do it your way, but allow him to prune you. See, pruning, the way that uh, you see in science, essentially involves removing plant parts to improve the health, the landscape effect, or the value of the plant. Do you know what our job is as followers of Jesus? Is to show the world who Jesus is. It is not for the world to see who we are. (laughs) It is for the world to see who Jesus is. See, they prune a plant for the value of the plant. See, my value is not earthly value. It's not in titles. It's not in holding myself and I walk into a room and say, this is who I am. This is what I've done. This is what I've accomplished. No, it is to say I'm accomplishing the Father's mission through Jesus. The Father is the gardener. Man, we can preach just about that. But Jesus is the vine. And my job is just to be a branch and to produce fruit. So how's the fruit in your life? You want to know if you're being pruned or not? Show me your fruit, and I'll show you if you've been pruned or not. You can always tell when someone's anti-pruning. They have every scripture known to mankind to prove why pruning is not required. Yet the fruit of their life is insignificant. You know, in uh, certain seasons of the year, certain fruits come smaller in a grocery store. Have you noticed that? Blueberries, for example, they're real tiny right about now. (laughs) I mean, I don't even have to cut them for my kids. They're bite-sized portion for the little ones. (laughs) But when you get into the spring, summertime, I mean, it is like, okay, it's a choking hazard. I have to cut them. See, some of us are like, oh, God, I'm okay with a little fruit. But it's not your job to dictate your fruit. It's your job to be the branch. It's boring. It's routine. It's saying yes to the Lord every day and daily waking up and saying, yes, God, I crucify myself. I put away my plans and say yes to yours. See, some of us, uh, we need to realize this. It is better not to prune yourself than to prune incorrectly. What do I mean by that? Some of us, we're trying to make it happen in our lives. We're trying to make it rain. Isn't that what they do, right? AJ? AJ's laughing, right? Isn't this what they do? They're making it rain. For all the uh, older people in the room, it's $1 bills or something like that, or 20s or hundies. Is that what I call it? Hundies? Yeah? we got a couple of claps. Honey, it's just raining. We're trying to make it rain. We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to do things for God. We're trying to be a better Christian. We're trying to get famous for Jesus. We're trying to get our bills paid. And, and you know, when I make all that money, I'll start tithing. I'll start giving commissions. But until then, I'm just going to try. But God's saying, uh-uh, 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 uh-uh. Who said this is about you? This is about you getting plugged in. This is not about you being famous. This is not you having 18,000 followers on your Instagram. This is about Jesus and his kingdom expanding. This is why the young ruler who had everything down, you may have read the story in the Gospels, and Jesus even loved him. And he was ready to be a disciple. In fact, I believe he would have been one of the apostles because it was that kind of an interaction When Jesus asked him one thing to do, one thing, you have done all of these things for me, but I want you to do this one thing, what did the young ruler do? He couldn't do it. What is the one thing that God is asking you to give up? I can guarantee you that's the place 
where he's trying to prune. What is the one situation that the Lord is asking you to give up? I can guarantee you that growth is waiting on the other side. That harvest is waiting on the other side of what he's trying to prune. But as long as you hold off, there will be no growth. There will be maybe a little growth, but you're going to eventually get to a place where you are so upset, you can't even hear from God. You have made your voice God. I've been waiting for a couple of weeks, so maybe that was a little strong. I'll pull it back a little bit. I'll pull it back just a bit. Look at that. We got lighting effects happening behind me. Maybe the Holy Spirit confirmed and said, pull it back, Clint. Pull it back a little bit more. <laughs> See, timing has a lot to do with pruning. And that timing requires trust. It does. Trusting in his way, in his timing, in his outcome, it requires trust. I want to trust God more. Amen? Do you want to trust God more? Because the truth is this. He doesn't just want to hurt you in the pruning process. He doesn't. He wants to help you. Guys, just go ahead and turn the light on. It's okay. We'll survive without theatrical lights. The Word of God is powerful. Amen. Go ahead and turn the next one on, too. I'm a little brown. There we go. Yeah, all right. (laughs) I'm a little on the dark side. Amen. (laughs) Need a little extra lighting. You guys are wondering why those two are there. It's because I'm a little dark, you know. All you see is my teeth, usually. Now you can see all of me. Anyways, he wants to bring you through the pruning. He doesn't just want to hurt you. See, some of us, we're like, God just wants to hurt me. He just wants to take away stuff. He's just no fun. He didn't let me do anything. I mean, Saturday nights, getting jiggy with it. That's so much more fun than being a Christian. But the pruning is just the journey. Fruitfulness is the destination. Saturday nights ain't going to do nothing for you, sister. Brother, it ain't taking you nowhere. You are not making anything rain. I will see you 10 years from now. Nothing's going to be raining if you're still partying late at 2 a.m. in the morning when you're 55. It's weird. It's cool when you're 21. Eventually, life gets a hold of you and says, it's not cool anymore. Everybody knows, you know, in college, everybody knew who were the ones that liked to party. Because your freshman year, your first semester... Everybody's just messing up, doing stuff they shouldn't. I went to business school before I went to Bible college, okay? And second semester, it's like, all right, I got parents that are saying, you better not mess this up or you are going to community college, you know what I mean? You are coming home and we're going to homeschool you. You are not wasting my money. So you have this happening in second semester in college, right? Everybody's like, I got to get my act together. And then everybody is partying, going this way. And you know what the truth is, guys? The people that have been partying, the people that continue to choose God, or to choose uh, the enemy over God, guess what happens to them? They don't make it. And I'm not saying that they're not successful. I'm talking about eternal fruitfulness. I'm talking about fruit that lasts for eternity. See, I think you can be successful without the gospel. Don't tell me that CEO of Toyota needs to be a Christian to be successful. But that fruit will not last. That fruit is not forever. Do you know that you can be successful? You can do things and grow and be in a place that's much better than you were last year. But those kind of things come and go. Do you know it's good to get an education? Amen? It's good to get your master's degree. Amen? It's good to go through medical school and get your certification and make sure you're not doing the wrong things. Amen? Right? All of these things are good, but they don't last in heaven. These chairs, these lights, this this building, this carpet, the plants all around it, they don't last eternally. The stuff that we have is not eternal. See, he wants to bring us through the pruning. Do you remember that pruning is the removal of, or reduction of certain plant parts that are not required. 
See, God prunes what you don't require anymore. Part of the challenge of being a follower of Christ is simple. You're trying to live in yesterday, and God's saying, you don't require that anymore. It's not that you didn't need it before. You may have needed it in 2018, but you don't need it in 2019. And we need to let God allow that stuff to be removed in Jesus' name. So the question is, okay, amen. We know the pruning's good. Praise God. But here's what I want us to understand today. I know it's a little different of a message. I think some of us don't know why. Some of us, we're saying, hollering, shouting, yelling, B3 organ going, the choir's getting crazy. We're all about pruning and being in the will of God. But we don't understand why he wants to prune. We just go through the motions and say it's because the pastor said so, or it's because I read it in a book, or it's because the Bible said so, and these are great things. But why does he prune? The first is this. He wants to bring good success. There's a difference between good success and bad success. Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, Moses tells him what to do to have good success in your life. Obey the commandments of the Lord. Don't depart from the commandments that God gave Moses. See, there's a difference between good success and success. Verse 5 says this, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear what fruit? Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Let that sink in for a second to what we do in our daily lives. Before you go in on a Monday morning, can you do anything apart from God? Nothing. We are to be connected to God. So we are promised fruit that lasts. Have you seen those fake fruits in some people's homes? And it looks so real. And your hand is going out, and you're like, oh, my goodness, this is the best-looking grapes I've ever seen in my life. And you're like, oh, 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 it's just a showpiece. Oh, oh, it's not real. It's a fake banana, a fake orange. Imagine the fruit that lasts forever in our lives. Imagine fruit that never withers away. Imagine that when you walk into a secular environment, that the fruit that God is having in your life, producing in your life, is seen. Imagine walking with the Lord for a decade, or two, or three, or four, or five. My goodness, we got some of the saints of God in this room right now. We know who you are. Why? Because you have been bearing fruit that lasts. See, it's not about age. And it's not about how many years you've been following Jesus. It's about the fruit in your life. This is the difference between someone who may be 70 years old and been in church your entire life and no fruit or little fruit versus someone who may be in their 40s or 30s or 20s and they just got saved two years ago and they're on fire for God. And you're wondering, how is this possible? How is wisdom coming out of such a young babe? It's because it's fruit. It's gospel fruit that resonates in our spirit. It's not about age. It's about having fruit that lasts. See, fruitfulness in the kingdom only comes, only comes, and this is something we've got to understand, if you're connected to Jesus. When was the last time you connected to Jesus today? Did you connect with him before you came to church? Did you connect with him this morning when you wake up and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm not in heaven. I got to go through another day. Did you connect with him when your kids are screaming your face off, yelling last night, Autumn, oh Lord, help me, Jesus. She started crying. I'm holding her. She's not feeling good. And she's just, I mean, she's bucking up and, I mean, just yelling. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Fruit that lasts, right? I've got to be honest, I was extremely frustrated 
in those moments, are you connecting with Jesus? Or are you going to be like, well, what's Google say about the dosage for uh, NyQuil? <laughs> NyQuil works better than Jesus. Fruit that lasts. Isn't it amazing that we don't go to the Jesus a lot of the time? That we go ahead and we use our own brains and our own mindsets and what our parents told us and how we were raised and our culture. And this is, I'm from this country or that background or I'm this skin color, so this is what we do. Instead of saying, what's the kingdom asking me to do? Verse 6 says this, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into a fire and burned. You know, we, we see that transition in, in northeast Ohio between the leaves turning beautiful and then the leaves disappearing. And right in between there, you'll start seeing some branches falling and dying. And what are you supposed to do with it? Grab it and take it away. It's not good for the grass, maybe not good for cars. See, it should never be said of us that we did not remain in with God. It should never be said of us as followers of Jesus. See, if you're not a follower of Jesus today, I get it. You know, you're not connected to God. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you need to be connected to God. Why? Colossians 1.10 says, says why. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you know that God is wanting to do an increased work in your life? He wants to increase the knowledge of who he is. This is why we have a relationship with God. See, good success is God's success. That's the truth. Good success is God's success. So, I like having stuff, and I like being successful. I've owned a couple businesses in my past. But if I was to go ahead and take two sheets of paper, right, one and two, and I list all of my earthly accomplishments, all of my earthly skills, and then on the second page I list all of the kingdom accomplishments, all the things I've done for the kingdom of God, all the things I've received, the spiritual gifts, and all the things about Jesus, what would it look like? Would it be like, you know, this piece of paper looks really good. In fact, people look at me and they look up to me, Pastor Glenn. They like listening to me. And then this piece of paper, not so much. I think it's time for the church to rise up again. I don't think this is a political issue. I don't think this is about what's happening in New York State. I don't think that this is what, what's, what the world... The world will do what the world will do. What do you think evil is? Evil is evil. If evil wasn't evil, why would it be evil? But where is the good in these moments? Where are God's people who are going to rise up and say, God, make me have good success just like you promised Joshua so that the kingdom of God will expand? Where are those people? We're all hiding in church on Sunday morning. And then as soon as Sunday afternoon, we got an unbeliever or person that's our boss. We just tuck Jesus away. Our tail's all like, stop wagging. And, hey, yeah, what'd you do this morning? You know, I just uh, hung out with my parents. Or, you know, I just, I just uh, we gathered together in, in this place across from Home Depot. Heard about it? It's called New Song. New Song, what is that? Uh, it's, you know, it's a gathering. <laughs> Why can't we move forward with courage and excitement about the things of God? It's because we got to allow him to have fruit in our lives. The second is this. He wants us to move from having fruit in the sense of addition into multiplication. You know what I mean? We're just so like, man, I read the book of James today. Thank you, Jesus. What did you get from it? Nothing. 
I just read the book of James. Or I went to church today, but bless God, thank you so much for coming to church. Come to church every week. But I went to church today is not enough, guys. And you know this. I am not here to build a large church. I am here to equip you to be a saint of God. I'm here to equip you to be a follower of Jesus. If this church doesn't grow and all I did was preach the Bible, I'm okay. But if this church grew without the word of God being proclaimed, there's a problem. We are not an event center. We're not a program place. We're not a place to have good music, which we will in Jesus' name, and we do in Jesus' name. We will have cool stuff and banners and lights and websites. By the way, did you check out our new website? It's amazing. Go check it out. We'll have all that kind of stuff, but that is not why we do what we do. We're doing what we do so that you will be equipped to have more fruit. See, this is when you move from addition to multiplication. Notice in verse 8 it says, this is to my Father's glory. What? What is to God the Father's glory? That you bear much fruit. This is a commandment for us as followers of Jesus. This is not optional. This is not an option. There isn't like this gray area we can live in. This is black and white. This is the truth. This is moving forward to all that God has or not. We often think that we can just hit pause in our relationship with God. It's not true. The fruit of your life shows that you're moving backwards or forwards. It's like an escalator in an airport. You're either going up or you're going down. You decide. If you stay connected and allow his cleansing through his word, your desires become aligned with God's desires. You know, when Jesus was using this illustration of the wine and of the, the vine and, and the grapes, one of the things that they used to do back then is the grapes, the grapes in Israel, I don't know if you've been to Israel, I have, they kind of just sit on the ground. They're not kind of hung, kind of sit on the ground. When Jesus was saying that you've heard words from me and those words will cleanse you, he was literally saying, hey, you know how you're going to pick up those grapes off the ground and they kind of clean them? Do you want to know how your life is going to get cleaned up? It's the word of God. Do you want to know how you can change your life to being a life that is fruitful? Take the word of God, one verse a day, and I challenge you for the next year, see what happens to your life. Take any principle in the Bible, do what the principle says, and come back to me in a year. I guarantee you, you would be in a better place, not because of me, but because of the word of God. So many of us follow what Oprah says. We love what Bono says. We love this president or that president or this party or that party or we like this, per, this uh, entity or that denomination or, or this kind of a message or this kind of a introverted personality or extroverted personality. I mean, is, have we ever looked into the word of God and said, are you washing me? Young people, I want you to listen to me. I can see you real good now too because the lights are up. Do you read the word of God? Do you read the Bible? We even have it on an iPad now. We have it on our phones. We have Google. And yet, we find it hard to be following Jesus in 2019. We find it hard to live pure lives before the gospel, before the cross, because we follow Kanye over Jesus. We follow socio-political terms more than we follow the gospel. What's it mean, socio-political terms? It's a big word for saying anything that's political and social justice mixed together, we believe that's the gospel. How do you know? Let it not be said of us, amen? See, God delights in your fruitfulness. That's what it says. It's not saying like, hey, by the way, if you don't bear fruit, you're gone. No, God is saying in a positive way, stay connected so that you can bear fruit. God delights in your fruitfulness. You know, there's a couple of people up here for prayer that a few weeks ago, I don't know if they would have come up for prayer, but God is using his presence 
to create fruit in their life. So it's an automatic. They're like, well, it's a prayer opportunity. I'm just going to go up and pray. <laughs> it's, it's worship time. I, I guess I'm just going to lift my hands and worship God. See, when you're thinking about things too much, that's when you know you're out of line. When you're trying to produce things in your life and your heart and your mind, you're like, God, I got to do this. That's when you know. But when you walk in the Lord and you're connected to Jesus, it's so natural. It's like gliding on snow. It's so free. It's so easy. Some of us heard Phil make the announcement about the journey track. Okay? This is not my class. I love what Phil said because I did put a lot of time into it, just like everything else I do. (laughs) This is who I am. But the truth is this. I want our church to be where God wants it to be. And so, yes, we call it the journey track. You can call it anything you want, the growth track. You can call it next steps. I don't care what you call it. Come be a part of it so that you can grow. Why are we doing Wednesday night Bible studies? Because we got nothing else to do on Wednesday night? Robert's shaking his head. He's like, I got stuff to do. Why are we doing uh, prayer, noon hour prayers? Why are we going to start Saturday morning prayer at 8 a.m. to 9 a.m.? Why are we going to do small groups? Why are we doing faith and finances? Why are we doing a website and social media work? And we got someone recording me randomly and putting me on the Internet. God knows what I said, but hopefully it's good. You know, why are we doing this so that you can grow and be fruitful? Nothing would make me more happier than to see you grow, to you, for you to be more fruitful, for you to be more successful, for you to have a relationship with God, and for you to be the next Pastor Clint, the next Mike Obi, or the next uh, Robert, or next Phil Bernardo, whoever. And it goes for the ladies too. Sorry, I left the ladies out. Everyone's like, I felt the heat. My wife would have been looking at me right now. If I left the ladies out too, right? You guys are powerful in Jesus' name too. We're going to promote you guys in women's ministry here too. We are. This is a house where everybody can lead. If God is fruitful in your life. If he's not, maybe next time. (laughs) Verse 12, and I'm going to end with this. My command is this, he says. Love each other as I have loved you. What is the first fruit of being connected to Jesus? Love. And love where? How you love one another. How are you loving your family? How are you loving your spouse? How are you loving the people across the aisle right now? Do you know who Elizabeth Brown is? Do you know who Greta is? Do you know that Brian's back there? Do you, do you even know who these people are? Do you, is there some beef that you need to go ahead and resolve right now? See, before we do anything for the kingdom of God, love each other as I have loved you, because greater love has no one than this. Jesus is saying, to lay down one's life for what? One's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. He is not talking down to us. He's saying, you know what? You can become friends with me if you do what I command. Amen? Man, it's getting quiet in here. I no longer call you servants. Oh, my. Some of us, we come into the presence of God like we are servants. Already know. It's a fruit problem. There's a problem there. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Do you know if you're a follower of Jesus, you can call on your friend Jesus. This is not taking it out of Scripture. You can read it. It's right there. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I have made known to you, Jesus says to the disciples. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go 
and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. How do you ask and receive? That's a million-dollar question, isn't it? It's when we know what Jesus desires. When we know what he wants, everything inside of us desires what he has. And all of a sudden, our prayers turn into God's prayers. All of a sudden, our prayers turn into successful prayers. Do you know those people, those prayer warriors? How many of you guys know? Praying grandmother or a person that prays and miracles happen. You know those people? You want to know the difference? They know God's desires. They know what God is saying. And all they pray is what? Most of them, if you get around them, this is what they're praying. God, let your will be done. That's all they're saying. God, if it's your will to heal this person, heal them in Jesus' name. God, if it's your desire for me to go ahead and start this initiative at my workplace or my school, make a way. And all of a sudden, you begin to say, wow, I'm aligning my life to God's purposes for my life. So many times we ask the Lord to come bless what we're doing. Rarely do we say, God, I want to go to where you are. God, I want to do what you call me to do. The job that you want me to have. The places that you want me to go, I will go. And the places you don't, I will not. See, he said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You know, Jesus says this to the 11 apostles and disciples. And, and surely to everyone who calls, he is called to the ministry, he didn't literally say that you did not choose me. I mean, think about that. Why did he say you did not choose me? I mean, it's kind of strange, isn't it? When people left their careers to join this person who called himself the Son of God, Fishermen, tax collectors, people just following him. Well, I'm done making a living. I guess we're all just going to live on the street and minister and do tent meetings. What if God asked you to do that today? Leave all that you have and choose him. Well, God, my 401k, who's going to pay into that? God, I mean, I mean Pastor Clan's. You know, he, he said about the tide, who's going who's gonna to keep the church open? What if I just leave it all behind and go towards what God has? See, they had chosen to follow Jesus. Why was he saying, you didn't choose to follow me? He didn't drag them into any service, kicking and screaming. <laughs> he does not hold them with, with bit and brittle. They're not looking for ways to escape from his ministry. <laughs> have you seen those people in certain churches? Oh, my mom used to be a member here, and I have to be here. If she wasn't, I could go somewhere else. That's not what Jesus was doing with the disciples. See, in John chapter 1, verse 37, Andrew follows Jesus without even being asked And he goes to get Peter and brings Peter to Jesus. Andrew's like, oh my goodness, Jesus. Imagine, Jesus. Imagine Jesus walking by. I'm preaching to you and I just stop preaching. And I just, see you later, guys. I'm no longer your pastor. Andrew followed Jesus. And then I go ahead and get Maureen and say, hey, Maureen, I know you lead worship at a new song, but this guy named Jesus, you got to come check him out. And Maureen comes along. So the point is not even that Jesus made the first contact. I want us to turn it around. What if Jesus had said, I did not choose you, you chose me. What would most likely be the point of saying that? Wouldn't it mean I'm not bound to you? You wanted to come along. If the going gets rough, don't come whimpering to me. It's your choice, man. See, 
I didn't stake anything on your success, but Jesus said the opposite. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And so the meaning probably is this. Your presence here is my doing, and so I, who Jesus takes full responsibility I know you agreed to come join me in this work, but deep in your heart you know it was who, it was I who laid claim on you, and so my honor, not yours, is at stake in this work. If that is what Jesus means and the reason he said, you do not choose me, but I chose you, it was to encourage and to help us know that he chose us. He was trying to say to the disciples, Hey, I know you. I know who you are, Ted. I know who you are, Carlisha. I know who you are, Doug. I know who you are, Angela. I know who you are. And yet, I still choose you. Peter, I know you're rough. I know you can't keep your mouth shut. And you're kind of a racist. But I still choose you. Hey, Judas, I know you're going to betray me. I know you're going to sell me out. I know you're the enemy. I know you're going to say things like, hey, why are we wasting that perfume on, on your feet? And why can't we sell that and give it to the poor? I know you're going to say those things, but I still choose you. Some of us, we don't know what the love of God feels like. You want to know why? Because you feel like you're not good enough for God. Because God doesn't know who you are. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly where you were raised, and he knows exactly what it's going to take to bear fruit. Would you just lift your hands in this place? The presence of God is here. Would you just begin to open up your heart and say, God, I give all of me to you. I give all of me to you. Because I didn't choose you. You chose me. Lord, I've been given the grace to know what I know. You love everybody the same, those that are far away from you and those under the sound of my voice sitting in the church. You love us all the same. You have chosen us. We did not choose you. You have given us purpose. We did not come up with that purpose. You have given us a new identity, washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, because you chose us. God, as difficult as it was for you to come down from heaven, Jesus, Father, for you to give up your son. You came and made a way so that we would know that you chose us over every other creature in the world. Some of us have rejected you. Some of us have gone astray. Some of us have been close to you and we've, we've moved backwards. And yet, you still chose us. So we thank you, God. Because there is peace and rest and gratitude in our hearts because of you. That we can come in on a cold winter day when there's snow and ice in the parking lot and it's not as maybe hot as what we wanted to be in here, God, but you are here and you chose us. 
This is no accident. So Lord, I pray for each person hearing your word that they would become fruitful starting today. In Jesus' name. Lord, Peter denied you and Judas denied you. They both denied you. Yet I pray that the choices that Peter made to come back to you after he denied you three times. Lord, I pray right now you would give boldness and encouragement to my brothers and sisters who may have made mistakes, who may have said things that they shouldn't have, to realign their lives with the power of the gospel. If you want to receive that right now, I just want you to stand up.